Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. So we're waiting for Stoney to join us. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. It's funny because Stoney is usually in almost every one of our live chats. But I thought what we could do to bide some time is let's bring on Hunter. And Hunter, you can just entertain us. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Uh, Today we're over in uh, MTV. Welcome to my crib. Uh, We've got the unmade bed behind me here. We've got the shoes on the floor over in the corner. And uh, I, I mean, listen, if you're joining the podcast to get some real world, real world experience, this right here is some real world interning <laughs> experience. We're living it up here at High Point. What can I say? Wow. I, I'm, I'm picturing a, like a huge heap of clothes, like just off camera. <laughs> it's right here. It's like, it's like, it's, super, it, I'm super serious. High. It's right here. <laughs> All right. Well, actually what we can do, which Hunter, you and I briefly discussed right before going live is I do have our ad data. So keeping with the theme, and we're totally improvising here, of messy data, uh, what we can do is actually go over this ad strategy, um, which, Hunter, have, we briefly talked about this. Have we talked about kind of the overall strategy that we're doing right now? Um, no, but if you wanted to review it again, then go ahead. Sure. Um, actually, let's back up all the way. So we have our preliminary test. So my understanding of marketing is that you just the first starting a new like a whole new venture and marketing that it's it's kind of a mess. So we just did our preliminary test and let's change this so that we've got oh I so think where Tony might be here. 
All right, hey, Stoney, um, did you, why you're not in the studio space though? That's weird. Did you, did Stoney, did you click on the? There's two links. Did you click on the Streamyard one or the Google Meet one? So I sent you an email with the Streamyard link. Let's see if he pops in here. But um, while he's getting joined, let me do this so it's the entire year. Where is this? All right, I guess we can just do all time. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so join, have, join the join the uh, StreamYard one, Stoney. Ah, uh, he's on the Google Meet. Yeah. Ah, some technical difficulties. All right, well, he's getting uh, brought in. Oh, Ailey, welcome. What's up? All right, so we had 14 impressions, 1,000 views, 68 clicks at a cost of almost $500. Hunter, mm-hmm. with zero context, do you think that this is a good average cost per click? I think it could do better. <laughs> True. And so this was our first test, and it was kind of a failure. But we came and modified our strategy. So instead of just blasting it out, kind of, um, we, we tried the like smart, it's, it's like smart ads or something where they use AI. And I, I guess the, uh, the level of sophistication is just not there <clears throat> to where, all right, with this new plan that we did our YouTube ad placement. So we've had, I mean, look at that, 168 clicks for a cost of $200. So now we're starting to refine the approach. All right. Hey, Gerson. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, let's see. So, Stoney, we sent you an email from the calendar event with a link to it. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the link. It's the link above the uh, Google Meet one. So, like when you get sent the go to your email, whatever one is linked up to your calendar, and the Streamyard link is the one that's at the top, and then the fake one is underneath that. I don't know why it sends that one too, but. No, it, this is the same pair of earphones, Matt. This is the same pair. You talk about this every time. This is my gaming headset. What are you, I mean, you know. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so I, I did want to break down the placements, which is interesting. So what we're doing for our strategy, so instead of just advertising to the overall internet, we're now focusing on other YouTuber analytics channels. So we got Alex the Analyst. We got Luke Barros, How to Power BI. Ken G, and now what we can do is sort by the KPI, which is clicks, which is the most important right now. You can see that Alex, the analyst, and Luke are neck and neck right now. So we got 47 and 48. Oh, actually, Alex is winning because then that 30 bumps him way up. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just interesting seeing where we're placing the ads specifically and for example, like Ken G's audience is probably one of the biggest that we're advertising to, but we've only got seven clicks. Hunter, why do you think that might be? Target market, I think. So Ken G's, a lot of Ken G's followers are people who are very technical. Um, they, I mean, I, if, I've seen a few of his videos and they've talked about like stock and analyzation and um, a lot of algorithms and how to sort through that. And it's great stuff, but it's it's a little bit of a different audience than we have here at How to Get an Analytics Job. We kind of focus on soft skills and uh, bring, bringing some people on for hard skills sometimes. But may, primarily, we're, we're a more well-rounded channel. I think he's more focused on the data science of things. Yeah, well, saying we're more well-rounded is a slight dig at kids. Really? <laughs> well, just saying, like, well, it, it's kind of like one of those, like, underhanded 
insults or compliments, but I, I would say we're more focused on business analytics. He's more on the technical side, like just like what you said. Well, that's that's kind of what I meant. I I did not mean to. We're just more well rounded. Yeah, we're just more. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right, um, and then also too. So with. We had a few different videos. So coming back to the overview. And by the way, I'm still learning the Google Ads interface. Like this is the first time that I'm running my own ads account. So let's see. We can click on. We have two ad groups. So the retail sales case study course and the marketing. And then we can see there are multiple ads within each grouping. So right now we've got the testimony video and then the actual like promo video. And we can see. It looks like this one is doing really, really well. So it's, it has 59 clicks and the cost of $35 versus 75 and 60 So we're just slowly starting to kind of like feel our way in the dark. Um, I, I didn't put this in my lecture la- earlier in the week, but it's almost like, you know how cats are nocturnal and they use their whiskers to feel their way through the dark? That's kind of like the same analogy I wanted to use for starting your new ad campaigns. Interesting. <laughs> so. I think I think all of this, I, I, I think I'm looking at, I mean, I, this is my first time looking at it too. Um, mm-hmm. I think all of this falls under a wider category of like, you know, segmentation. I think this is kind of making leeway for the kind of audience that we're going to have uh, when it comes to our case studies and comes to our courses and stuff like that, I think it's 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 kind of setting like the I think the marketing almost sets, you know, the audience, and so you kind yeah, of you kind of play it, it kind of, it's like a roll it's like a roll like once you get started and you find the correct segment, then you just keep going and going and the the more you market to that specific segment, the the more impressions you'll end up having. Awesome! Look who it is, Stony. Hey, hey there. <laughs> I, I had just uh, I had a little bit of difficulty because the invitation only had the Google link, but when I went back, uh, the email was a little bit different, so it took me a second to to find it, and then that uh, the email this morning had the link. How you guys doing? Good. How are you? Really doing? good. Pretty good. So you want to talk about messy real world data today, right? Yeah. It's, it's just that, um, you know, it's good to start with structured um, data that's cleaned because there's so many things you have to learn at first. You know, you got to put some training wheels on there, but eventually it's really important for you to understand that um, there's a lot of data problems and, and that's the majority of your work. A lot of times you don't get to visualize, generate reports, uh, build models until you've spent time um, trying to, so let, let's talk about some of the problems. Is it okay to start talking about yeah, this, yeah. this right now? So you, I, I did uh, want to push back a little bit. Okay. The data set that I'm, the data sets that I'm working on on small to medium sized business are almost counterintuitively cleaner than like, if you have a billion dollar company, they've got these legacy systems. They've probably been around for a hundred years. The data started off in this, in this silo. And then a new department was added, and then there's a new data source over here, and the way that these two connect may or may not work. So I'm wor- I actually don't work with messy data day in and day out. So this is an area of expertise or an area of oh, you a just- topic of discussion that I'm not really 
like super well versed on. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. So, John, can you can you tell me um, kind of like are these accounting systems? What kind of um, data are you consuming from these small and medium businesses? And it'll help me understand a little bit more. But I I understand what you're saying is that um, can you hear me out. still? Uh, yeah. It sounds like your connection is cutting in and out a little bit. But to answer your question, uh, a great example is. If you're working with a small retail shop, so let's say it's like a mom and pops, like, um, I don't know, maybe they sell custom furniture on Elm Street. They're going to use Stripe to collect payment. And almost every time that data is collected perfectly because it's an automated system. Um, I mean, there now if you want to start adding like um, categorization and some additional d- uh, data to that, it's going to, it may start to get a little bit messier, but most of the systems that I'm working with collect data automatically. Like um, while, while you were figuring out how to get on, we were just looking at Google ads. Google ads data is automatically tracked. Now, what's interesting is the lecture that I had earlier this week, we had a uh, marketing analytics expert, and he was saying that the data that Google is tracking is not 100% accurate, but it's good enough to be a proxy for you to make decisions off of. Does that make sense? Yeah, there are people that say, like, when you look at what has happened with Apple and you look at what's like Google, uh, like Facebook, their Facebook ads includes the Instagram platform, which they are highly promoting and they're investing time in Instagram right now. They're allowing people to have conversations and you see people targeting stores um, from Instagrams because that brand has become much stronger um, but what happens, let's say that you use a connector like uh, Fivetran or uh, Census, uh, Census for, for reverse um, or Google. The, the problem is like with upstream um, data integrations that they will all of a sudden change the schema on you. So anything uh, afterwards could break, like your, your transformations could break. Um, so you do need checks for validation like especially when you're consuming multiple sources like you could be consuming salesforce information Mm -hmm. um you could be hubspot um zendesk um so so if these people like facebook has more of a uh move fast and break things mentality because of the business that they're in 
So when you're doing like um, PPC campaigns um, for like Shopify store for or for WooCommerce, uh, uh, what's the other one? Big Commerce. You're now you uh, use Elm Street is one of the ones that you were talking about. Oh no um, no, I, I just said like an example. That was an example. Might be on Elm Street, yeah. like or the downtown drag, whatever it is. Okay, so that so, wasn't so the, the problem. Like as an organization becomes la larger, like you can have problems with okay, the data that you receive has changed and now it has broken you. And the people that you work with did not let you know that this was going to happen. Um, or um, you make changes and you break people downstream. When you're in a smaller organization, you have more control of this, except, except for your external data sources like Facebook, Google Ads. And there are complaints with both, like Facebook has complaints as well that they inflate their numbers. Um, and hmm. Again, in the future, there are people that say that we're going to need to go more towards branding. There's also a lot of um, fraud in advertising. If you use an ad agency because you want to focus on your business and you don't want, um, like sometimes those people will just spend your ad budget. And um, if you optimize the wrong KPI, let's say people like they be can become overly obsessed with um, uh, optimization of price per click, but that could be very counterproductive because at the end of the day, what are you really interested in? You're interested that those, um, Dollars. ad campaigns are bringing you customers that are converting and that, right. and that you are making money. And whenever you start a campaign at first, you're probably going to lose money at first because you have to fine tune it. Um, and you also, um, you have to be careful who you take advice from because some people are just curating and repeating what they hear from other people, which may not work for anybody or it may not work for you. Um, but we can also just get down to the basics because a lot of these people, um, like, have you, are you able to do polls? Is there a poll polling function in your, um, stream yard or? Are you able to um, put a poll out to your the people that are viewing right now? What's our sample size right now? Um, so we've got all I can see right now is that we have twelve watching live on YouTube, but we're also live streaming on LinkedIn, Twitch, and Facebook. So okay. I, I don't have the exact number right now, and we don't we don't have a live polling function. I mean, I can poll people on LinkedIn, but that's that's not going to be that's not going to be real time. But I did want to circle back around. So maybe to this, in the this in concept the around um, like optimizing the wrong KPIs because um, the, what I would call that is a vanity metric. Yeah. And like right now, so like while you, while you were getting logged on, we were, we were reviewing like essentially our first stab at ads for this new platform that we developed. And right now we are optimizing on clicks because we haven't had a direct sale from one of the ads. Now, what I believe has happened though, is that someone has, has come to the website seen it then come back because we have seen an uptick in sales but we can't tie that specific um it wasn't like a they clicked on the ad and they bought immediately so maybe we need to do some tinkering within the landing pages for the different case studies. so courses. also john you definitely want to do retargeting retargeting mm -hmm. is um very effective because you've already qualified you know that that journey down your funnel when you're tracking your funnel 
is going to have multiple touches and attribution can be uh, pretty tricky. Um, and the future attribution will become even more difficult. So retargeting ads where if they visited your website, if they opened your email and now they have this cookie, when people are going to these <clears throat> platforms, um, and, and then the second thing I quickly want to remind people, when you first start out or you're in a small business, you don't have very much data. You don't right. have high numbers. So what do you want to do? You want to talk to your customers any way you can, especially the people who are buying your product or not buying your product. You have criticism. You want to hear that criticism. It's not, it's not, uh, don't take it in a bad way. It's, a way for you to uh, better position or better um, price or better like to figure out why you, you want to find out what problem are they solving? Uh, mm. How uh, valuable is, is that problem to them? What are they doing right now? Um, is that working for them or not working for them? Um, what if they don't do anything? What is the cost uh, to them? And, and so you want to have conversations with uh, people and obviously when you become bigger this doesn't scale but this is super important so when people are telling you we make data driven decisions data 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 um don't forget to engage and talk uh, to your customers where do your customers hang out what language does your customer use to describe its pro problem um because when you write your sales copy or and, and uh you want to get away from sales copy and you want to write content that people actually want to read, you, you know, like some of these big businesses like Udemy, it's like, ah, oh, I want to just like unsubscribe, but I can't or meetup. I want to unsubscribe, but I, I can't. So you're so kind I, of like, I have a story to... actually. So I I'm doing exactly what you're the advice that you, the advice you're giving oh, is fantastic. It, uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, oh, we're can having you still hear us? I mean, we can we can hear you, uh, John. That's David. Now, now okay, you can hear me. Cool. Um, so, Stony, that's some, some fantastic advice, and I am already implementing on that, and in multiple ways, actually. So, number one, after every chapter of uh, the new case study courses, we have like five questions of feedback, and what's interesting is that I can see a different buyer psychology of those who came from the podcast versus those who came from the ads. Yep. And I'm reaching out to the people who are buying and saying, hey, I'm just curious, where did you find me? And the most recent purchase was a guy who said, I found you um, while I was I was looking for into the Google certification, saw you and Al's live stream, watched all of those, then watched, I've watched about 15 of your episodes. So like he's already, he already, we already have a relationship, which is weird. And I'm trying to get used to this whole parasocial thing. So he's like had a relationship, a personal connection to the content we put out. So like to that content marketing, it's super valuable. And we've had, we have like, I don't, I don't know, like 120, 150 hours worth of long form analytics industry content out there. And, but the people who have that personal connection to our content are much kinder in the reviews. So he's giving me like eight, nine reviews on each of the feedbacks. Like, uh, like what's the quality of this lecture to you versus someone who came I think these are the people who either just came that they didn't come directly from an ad because we haven't had that that straight conversion yet, but they saw the ads and then maybe came back a day later and bought. So they're giving us, you know, three, fours and fives on those feedback questions. So I can see a direct 
And it's, I think the, the, I think the, the kind of missing link between why is this person rating is high and this person rating is low is the brand position. So if they've listened to us talk for 30 hours, they see us as an expert and they respect us and they're just going to kind of. Um, so this, this is what um, podcasts and YouTube channels are, is you are um, establishing authority, building rapport and a um, relationship and community. This is what big businesses have difficulty doing. If they hire a good um, developer, developer advocate or evangelist, um, and they allow that person um, the freedom to create an authentic um, community. So hopefully you're capturing um, email addresses and then you don't abuse those email addresses and you prune your list to increase deliverability. Are you using um, sequencing software from like ConvertKit or like Drip went up market? They kind of um, upset. They were acquired by lead pages and... Um, so you create sequences that have value um, that you um, we're using MailChimp right now. So, I mean, I think yeah, part, of this, part of this, part of a bandwidth issue, issue of like, so we, we just lost Al. So I'm having to take over social media manager responsibilities, create the content, teach a lecture every, or teach two lectures every week, um, host the podcast, make sure that we're having guests. I, I'm wearing all the hats right now. So, although Hunter is is starting to, I'm starting to offload some of my hats onto him. Um, but so yeah, you yeah, need to delegate. We're not there yet. You need to delegate so that so because um, you're working in the business instead of on the business, right? Um, and uh, it's difficult. And then some things maybe you don't want to do it. Um, like maybe take. I hate to use this like four hour, which it's not four hour. It's about what actually matters. Um, and then when you do it, you got to do it for long enough. And then I don't know if I can't remember the name. There's a book that talks about um, like 21 marketing. Ch I, I can't remember the title, but it, what it says is when you're trying to go to the next level, sometimes you have to stop doing the using the channels that you're currently using that are giving you success. And you're going to have to transition to new channels, but you have to try and then double down on the channels that are working, but you need a statistically significant number to have confidence that that, that data is not an uh, exception, that it's not a coincidence. Like I have 95% confidence that the uh, result that I got for these ads, A, B, C, D, um, is actually the best performing ad. And it's not an anomaly. It's not a coincidence um because i uh sampled this number of ads um okay this is an interesting i have a follow-up question to this so what is significantly statistically significant i can never say that word within when it comes to marketing so is it because i what, what what is it's it 35 just, is like a sample size it's, it's just enough? um this is just like frequent frequentist statistics and so this is like when you have an experiment okay. and you want like a lot of people misinterpret um, confidence intervals. They don't understand uh, what it actually means. And, and what it actually means is that when I like I had this uniform distribution of I showed people uh, these people add a this people add B, this people add uh, C. 
Um, and there was a KPI that I was trying to optimize, which is um, uh, customer satisfaction, because I want to increase the lifetime value of that customer because it cost me more to acquire that customer for the first course. I need them to buy the second course before I start to see uh, value. So what you're trying to ensure is by having enough people see those ads and choose that you um, that it wasn't just a coincidence that you're com- like 95% confident, 99% confident that that experiment actually showed you the real, the truth and not, it just wasn't a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And that's really what um, this, this is telling you. But also in the beginning, you want to talk to your customers, right? Like when you're developing a new right. course, you might want to develop this, uh, out in the open and put some put some of the content out in the open and see how people are responding before you have the whole course because who wants to develop a course for two months three months four months and then find out that nobody's interested the other thing you got to be careful about i'm sorry i'm talking a lot here (laughs) okay Uh, so let me pause you there so yeah that's exactly what i did during the during the lockdown i spent six months developing a course that was seven and a half hours that went out on udemy and um that was nerve wracking into itself. Cause it's like, I am so invested in this and there's been zero testing. It's like, I put so much, a lot of the judgments I made were just kind of like within a vacuum in my head of, all right, this is the direction we're going to go in. And it turns out that a lot of people didn't like the structure of it. And I could have known that if I would have started small and kind of started building out from a base. Um, but also too, what I'm realizing is I just don't want to be on platforms like Udemy. It's just, it's commoditized learning and what you get is it's like a race to the bottom. So you don't get quality, quality creators are not going to stay on there because there is a market force that, that pushes it down to $10. Like it, it's no, I'm not... having the same experience in um, Upwork and there's people telling me that if I just stay on there, that I don't want all my business from there, but that it's a good but I'm just like, man, I have wasted so much time and yeah. I have, uh, and they're going to take like 20% and then 10% late later. And when there's intent, that can be worth it, right? Because people, it's like people who are technical, um, somebody who's a technical employee, like a person that, but does is not involved with lead generation uh, qualification. Like, mm-hmm. how do I qualify these customers? Which customers should I listen to? Because these other customers actually are not my customers. And if I listen to them, I'm going to develop the wrong product. Right. Um, uh, and now I've just lo- I've forgotten <laughs> what I was trying to get. So this is, all right, I have, I have thoughts on Udemy or uh, Upwork, which, you know, I mean, this is a total side tangent, but I think it's interesting because I know that, um, a lot of people are watching the YouTube channel who are surprisingly like we, we're looking at the demographics on our LinkedIn page. The majority of people who are watching this podcast are senior or managerial level. I thought we would have mostly entry level people watching, but they're very interested in the consulting side of things. So I've got a, a quick little anecdote that um, like just, just happened within the past couple weeks. So you so on Upwork, you're compete. You're it's commoditized. So there's a marketplace, and you are competing for a select few projects. So that's going to push your price down. 
to where I'm in a position where I am seen as like the go-to expert in analytics. Like for example, um, I had a, a client here in Greensboro actually who wanted to implement analytics for his organization, which is a national, it's a national chain. And he started learning about analytics, took one of my um, LinkedIn courses, realized I was in town, then he was willing to pay $200 just for me to sit down with him and have a meeting and maybe even take on the project. So yeah. see, that's a difference to where I'm charging 250 an hour for consulting work versus getting that on Upwork is, I think it's really, really tough. No, uh, to tell you, people don't even respond to my proposals. Really? Like I've, I've had very few responses and I've been embedding videos, uh, short video and um, answering exactly what their problem is. And it could be a chicken and the egg thing. And I just wanted another channel that had intent, but I'm realizing um, for my short term, I'm going to have to go back to uh, when I don't have inbound warm leads. I'm going to have to actually do cold calling and cold outreach, which is uh, pretty brutal. It's not very, not very fun, <laughs> but the, the warm inbound leads from long-term uh, like multiple touches are a better way, but it takes time. It might take like six months. Um, so right. yeah, I've, I've been kind of say it, uh, not, not very pleased with, how much effort I've expended on Upwork when people don't even answer. And it, I don't have history, right? I don't have earnings history. I don't have uh, reviews. And then like, like you said, I, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a hit. Initially, I'm going to do some work that I would not uh, do or for a price I would not uh, do because it's not sustainable um, in order to get past the chicken and the egg where I have reviews and earnings so that, but people yeah. So there's people that say, Hey, if you just, uh, persevere for four months that it's, uh, worth it, but maybe it's because the time that they entered this market and gained their reputation, uh, it was in a different state. Yeah. So it's interesting. So Mr. Boot BDI is saying that he's, he's having the same experience on Upwork. It was, what's funny is I, I didn't think we would go down this rabbit hole, but I yeah. mean, it sounds like our audience is very interested in this because I, my opinion is that Upwork is a great way for you to kind of expand out from your base. For example, I landed a client where I was doing survey analysis um, and it's actually kind of what I learned through that project is how I developed my survey analytics case study course. And they did a huge survey, sent me the raw data I threw into a, um, into Tableau create an interactive um, Likert scale so that they could then digest that information and come up with uh, marketing recommendations. Interesting. So we got some more people chiming in here. So what would be the best place like Upwork or LinkedIn or Twitter for remote data analytics projects? I'm currently learning. This is tough. So if you're learning analytics, I think getting a remote gig is, is an uphill battle. What do you think, Stoney? Yeah, so I would look Look at the market, what you think the market wants. One problem is people that write the job descriptions or project descriptions, sometimes they ask for everything, uh, they ask for too many things and they don't focus on what they really need. Or, or um, So good descriptions will differentiate between this is mandatory, uh, ideal, uh, uh, a plus like they'll differentiate in their list like when they ask for too many things it's a sign that somebody who's not connected to the work has written this or um, right because you go there and you do the work and you're like 
you don't use any of these things you asked me about here. Like uh, you asked me for a big laundry list and I'm only using two technologies. Um, so look carefully and then create portfolio um, items that would resonate with that vertical. So like if they're doing PPC or if they're doing like make something that actually they are doing that they're going to be interested in. And one problem doing this is a lot of times you're not able to get access to the data and real data is always better. Um, I think there's a tab, a guy from Tableau that has this website called Faker Data. And what's really good is he has some like call center data, marketing data, and then he actually has some reviews where he goes over um, the dashboards uh, that are created. And an important thing to note is that being an analyst or a data scientist is not about dashboards. In fact, companies really would actually like you to use a product that minimizes the amount of time that you spend uh, doing that. And when they have employees that have uh, more like engineering skills or higher skills, they really want to prioritize what you are working on and they don't want you uh, spending time on that because it's expensive and they want to ensure that those resources are being used for the most important tasks. Um, so I got, I got away from uh, what we were talking about. <laughs> All right. So we got a question from Dang, which I, I, I don't know if that is his real name or if, if he's joking there, but um, yeah, feel free to tell us your real name in the chat, by the way, we're all, <laughs> we're all friends here. Yeah. Um, so he's a Cognos analytics developer. Um, do you ever use Cognos or, where should he focus? I'm not familiar with Cognos. This is really, this is really problematic, guys. Like, I, I would look at the um, vertical or horizontal you're in. Like, in a vertical, like, are you in insurance? Are you doing PPC? Are you managing sales leads, like a team of salespeople? Are you working with scientific data? Um, they might tend to gravitate towards a certain um, tools. Look for tools that are more... Um, prevalent and have a community behind them so that when you have a problem, there's other people that have the same problem. There's more customers that use those tools. There are so many different tools out there right now that it's, it's problematic because like we want somebody who has experience. Uh, what do you Sorry, think? We, uh, we're, we're streaming on Twitch. <laughs> Ignore that oh, comment. I have a story about Twitch, John. I, I went and looked for data science and um, I'm offended their, <laughs> their search results. Let's just say it was not safe for work. And I, I was like, what? You know, um, um, Shruti. Hey, Shruti. How's it going? Uh, awesome. Well, so I searched on data science. I found this really good. Uh, Twitch stream where this person was um, ingesting like pandemic data using um, SQL Server. And um, it was some more complex that used like, um, oh, what's the acronym CTE stand for? Uh, table expressions. It's a better way so you don't do nested queries in uh, SQL. So uh, you were a lot more technical with. and I have no idea. So no, I'm, is, I told you, I'm like in the kiddie pool when it comes to like technical side. I'm more on like a business strategist with 
some like Tableau and a little bit of yeah. SQL. So this is important. In. Like John, if you go to an, an organization and sometimes you get, there's different copies of the data, you can get the wrong answer. Like somebody else will get a different answer and you'll lose the trust of the stakeholders, like the execs, like, cause your numbers are not adding up. So maybe in the vertical common, that, common table expressions. Yes, so, exactly. Thank you, Dan. The common table expressions make the SQL query so much more understandable. One problem with like SQL is great. It's very efficient. Um, it doesn't take as much. Um, you can ramp up on SQL quickly. Um, it's really uh, a universal time tested uh, tool. You should definitely learn SQL. If you're not using SQL in your current job, you need to do it on the side. And um, have you ever heard of the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve? John? No, I have no idea. That sounds interesting. It's a psychologist, I think from um, Germany, like from the 1800s. And it's like after an hour, um, you forget like 60% of what you, the information you're exposed to. And it's the, the importance of um, studying and reviewing things a little bit every day. This is mm. crucial for you to um, build your um, knowledge base. Um, so common table expression. So choose so there was the guy that was talking about Cognos, like, what should I learn? So look at your employers, like what problems are they trying to solve? Are they trying to um, look at sales leads, sale uh, conversion? Are they looking um, at PPC campaigns? Um, like uh, how well are these ads converting? Are we losing money on these Facebook ads? Um, are people churning from our product? Um, are we selling them a product that is not very good? We're not solving the right problem. Did we make too many features when really they're only using two or three features of a product and we should make the UX UI, we should make the that better. Um, so so uh, you, you need to um, do a portfolio project and use tools that the community is using. Um, like, is this newfangled tool going to lose its support? Is it going to become a dead project on GitHub? Um, is this are there like okay like an example is like plotly dash um uh like if you're a python developer you might like it because you don't have to write uh jo javascript but who's using it um mm -hmm. are, are it may be a good tool but unfortunately like so this is where tableau is very important you see that people use tableau and here's another important secret tableau will qualify the customer that they have a budget that's huge. Yeah, that's true. So Inkar is chiming in. She agrees with you about forgetting stuff. On that note of forgetting things, I, I view it as like a it's like a weekly or daily practice. Like you you are going to forget the things that you are not actively doing and applying and working on. And it can even if what you're working on right now is not the skill set you want in the future, what you can still do is have your passion projects on the side. And I've got a fantastic story to share with one of my neighbors, actually. So one of my neighbors, um, he was an engineer for Facebook. He um, got really interested in web development and got recruited by Adobe. And I think he's on the team that's going to help push them more into the web space. So he got hired by Adobe because of the experience he gained from his passion project that, was, that paid him $0. So I think that there's something about See, because I'm not really, it's, it's funny because I'm seen as like the professor, but I'm not really studious. I don't like 
study. I just like actively do things and follow the things that I'm genuinely curious about. And then I have a skill set because of that. If that makes any sense. No, it, there's multi, you, when you, you work best in collaborating with people that have different strengths. And so it's best when you have teams like sometimes uh, for managerial like uh, organizations that you embed like people who have uh, strong data skills. You embed people that have good organization and project management skills, people that understand the psychology of customers. Like sometimes the startups will hire people who have an anthropology uh, background in order to do go do um, focus groups or studies and like remember that i said that you want to talk to your customers you at least need to sample like where do my customers hang out what language do they use what problem right. are they solving um what are they doing right now um do they have budget oh these customers uh meet all these other requirements but unfortunately it's not going to sustain our business to serve these customers these are the wrong customers to develop our our product for um yeah all right we got some uh viewer hunter you guys you got something to so add? i actually wanted to go off of jonathan's question jonathan was asking about python projects and and how you would develop your python skills for real world clients i actually have been i just have begun attempting to learn python it's it's been definitely uh a uh, struggle but it, we're getting there i've been using uh, jupiter lab um through anaconda on a windows machine to do a lot of my coding and so i actually i actually want to piggyback off of jonathan what would you say would you say that something like that that the, the annotation of the way that you would code uh makes it a large difference like like could you learn entirely in like jupiter lab for example and or, or would you recommend branching out and using different styles of Python writing? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so if, if you use Python, you definitely need to work on projects because that's what's going to allow you day, day after day, you're going to start becoming familiar with these things that seem to not have any meaning. Um, so the project is going to enable you to struggle a little bit and to start to remember this information in um, Python notebooks, you're able to start refactoring your code into functions, and you're able to even put a test in there if you want. Um, and then in uh, in uh, Jupyter Lab, you're able to uh, convert your code. It will convert your code to Python, like from a notebook. And then you're able to use things like VS Code uh, to start. Uh, so start out in a notebook because you're able to interact and if your data is too big, um, take a sample of the data. Don't work with the entire uh, data set. In Postgres, there's actually a function to take like a like to take a Bernelli sample. Um, so yes, it's a really I use notebooks a lot. Some people don't like them, but you're able to take this step: start the notebook, then refactor that code in that notebook so that you have functions, and then you can um i can't remember exactly how but from the notebook you can tell it convert this to python then use uh freely available vs code that has linting so linting is checking the grammar um of, of your code uh use things like pep8 to make sure that you adhere to style 
guidelines and then really try to um, learn how to write some tests, simple tests using um, PyTest. Um, and um, okay, so the important thing is work on a project that would be interesting to your target audience. When you're gonna go submit resumes, don't send out a hundred resumes without looking carefully that there's like some overlap, like target 20, 30 positions that you think that maybe you're a good fit and that you're interested in. Um, and then try to work on a portfolio piece that would be interesting to them. Um, maybe you can go look, I, I can send the link uh, later, look for the faker data at first, because when you put the training wheels on at first, there's so many things you have to learn. This is a journey. You can't just like, even now I have lots of things in my notebooks where I'm like, oh, that is horrible. That code is not modular or I don't have tests or um, I just dropped the rows and I never went back and had the raw data and then a new column where I uh, filled in the missing uh, data. Um, there's a lot of basic things that I could um, talk about like, uh, but what is uh see i'm not familiar with python at all so she says i use fine. google collab yeah so the could. great thing about this is if you're going more towards the modeling or you want to share um these notebooks are available for free on uh the google computing platform and so you're able to use like um uh gpus like graphics uh processing units if you're doing like any machine learning like deep learning or even now uh gpus are coming to analytics through uh a software package called rapids um you can also use r um on google collab so one thing is if you have a laptop that's not very performant you don't have very much memory um you can use these uh google like some people make courses like there's a a guy named uh, that has a computer vision uh, course, Andrew Brock, I think, and he, all of his classes have, um, notebooks on Google Colab and this allows his students to use, um, a GPU or more memory than they have. And so this is a great resource. If you're programming in R, I think that personally think that the IDE, um, named R studio is better for, um, doing analysis in R. And I think that, uh, Jupyter uh, Lab could improve its interface a little bit by copying some of the um, user interface from RStudio, like being able to see your uh, tabular data or being able to look up documentation. I've worked um, in RStudio a little bit too. Yeah, I agree with you there. But don't spread yourself too thin. At first, choose something and gain some depth. Do a, a project because when you're going to go to an employer, you need to have enough substance in a technology to provide value, to take something off their plate. So when John says, I need somebody to do this task for me because I don't have enough time and I'm overwhelmed, you need to have enough depth where he doesn't have to hold your hand too much. When he invests time in you, that you're going to provide value to him and take something off of his plate, right? So I highly advise like choosing, choose Python, choose R, and then co complement that with SQL complement that with some domain expertise in like how do you google ads like i think john um that jason whaling you should bring him on your channel for a co like a where you like cross channel promotion 
because um, mm -hmm. he can teach you a lot about Google ads and really accelerate your results that you're getting right now. Um, mm -hmm. So I, th I think you should yeah. reach out to well, him. Well, we're, we're getting a little bit on the toes of Ryan for So Ryan is my, uh, my, my marketing. Well, he owns fungi marketing, which is a relatively large marketing agency now. Okay. I understand. Um, and he's one of my best friends and we, um, yeah. But I mean, it would be interesting to have him come on and because and, I'm open to people seeing the data. I don't mind. Um, but I trust Ryan, which you, you made a point about uh, marketing agencies and marketers just like not quantifying their data really well um, or, or choosing vanity metrics. Their, to, inc their incentive is to spend your ad budget. Right. And then but, what a lot of times <laughs> happens, like I, I will send you some links that uh some insider information on like it's the big providers really don't have the incentive to get rid of fraud and the big players like walmart they know that this fraud exists but they don't care because they're able to achieve the results because their budgets are large enough that the fraud is not that significant to them it, it exists it's not ideal but like big companies like target walmart um the, the big brands it doesn't affect them as much but the small especially the small and medium ad fraud really hurts it like chews up a lot of their budget and you'll mm. see that google said that they're going to get away from the third-party cookies but they're not they backtracked on that because they really don't have an alternative right now apple is the one that's more enforcing this um yeah so, well it's just uh, i think it's that jason is very i think jason is very jason is very uh ethical and transparent so i think yeah. if you talk to ryan because he's your friend he's your you have a deep relationship with him find out what would work i, th I think that you could work something out that would be uh mutually beneficial to ryan you and and jason well i mean it's also like he's my friend yes but also the way we structured our deal is that he gets 10 percent of top line revenue so i made him invest in my business um because i, I was a little bit worried about um he works with some major clients. So I was worried that I was going to be put on the back burner. But the way that I structure that deal is that as we grow, he's going to grow with us and he's going to spend more and more time with it. But you know, yeah, right, now, right now we're still just testing. What you said, that is so important. This is what big businesses get where they don't care about this anymore. That's why they spam you to death is right. you want to make sure that the incentives are aligned. When you have uh incentives that are aligned especially when you're a small and medium business this is what will allow you to do well um, and have a sustainable business do your customers have a win-win do you have a win-win relationship or you're like i win i got money um so like when you talk about your partners you want to make sure that you have a your incentives are aligned like an example is somebody who was working um through accenture for best buy and the CEO wanted them to create a recommender system. It was one of their where, hey, we have to reinvent ourselves. Best Buy has gotten into trouble a couple of times and they had to reinvent themselves. And this person I know was tasked with um, implementing the recommender system. But unfortunately, the CEO did not align incentives with his um, directors and managers. And so they would not give him the data to make the recommender system. And the irony is that the business needed a recommender system that worked well. If they didn't have a recommender system that worked well, they could die. And so 
aligning incentives with your salespeople? Like, do the salespeople will produce what, uh, how, how their incentives are structured? They'll deliver you those results. Be thoughtful and creative how you structure your, like, uh, if the customer stays for six months, then you get this other portion of the, uh, the uh, commission. So, so like yeah. what you're talking about is so important. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's just being around, like, this is probably my fourth or fifth business that I've started. So it's not like, I don't have that. Um, it's funny because I think this is the biggest opportunity that's come to me to date, but I have had enough failures that I'm like, my enth enthusiasm has been somewhat curved. Of, like I've seen what can go wrong at this point. Although this is the first time that I've, I'm find myself in a scalable business. Where we have these courses, no, but I like I like what really up. what you said, John. You know, I think you were talking about like you would just mention the elephant in the room. You're like saying, okay, I had this potential customer; they want me to do these things for free. That is a red flag. Mm -hmm. um, so, like when you're trying to qualify a customer or you're trying to qualify an employer for the people that are in this um, room, like uh, does the person want to negotiate price uh, aggressively? Does the person want to renegotiate the timeline? Like, oh, you said you tell me that it takes me uh, two weeks to do this, but I want you to do it in a week. I want you to do it for half. I want you to do this for free. We're special. You should you mm -hmm. we're okay. Like I had an example when uh they are like we work with the Bill and Gates. Uh, I got to be careful about. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't not, they, don't they, name drop. <laughs> yeah, they didn't they didn't pay me. They they really? I delivered the product. Um, and they never paid me. They just stopped answering my phone calls uh, That's, and emails. I'm fortunate and that his situation has not happened to me. I, an entrepreneur friend of mine almost went bankrupt because uh, someone, a client paid them on a credit card and then called the company and said this was fraudulent and then reversed. It was like a $20,000 payment on project. They worked over like three or four months. So all of that, I mean, it's, you, you run into some horror stories, but I wanted to circle back to this, this concept of that I'm working through myself. And I think it applies to those, not necessarily who are looking for a full-time job, but if you're looking to get into consulting. So I'm trying to bu bust out of like the $10 set point of Udemy and getting into the hundreds of, if not thousands of dollars eventually with the new platform. That is akin to going from an hourly rate to a base retainer model in consulting. Because that's I'm at a base retainer model now, but I've kind of reverse engineered it that I'm, I'm willing, I'm getting paid 250 an hour at least. Um, so what you're doing when you're ba getting paid on a base retainer is that you are not nitpicking on how hours are specifically spent. It's like, look, pay me 250, uh, or yeah, pay me 2,500 a month and we'll get this project done eventually. And they're looking at, all right, this project's worth $200,000 to us. I'm willing to pay $10,000 over, you know, a four month period. That's like there, there, it changes the calculus and how they think about you as a resource, which I think is really interesting. And, and also that's like getting on Upwork, you're seen as that commodity. You're seen as that widget that they're going to invest, you know, four widgets, four hours of your time. And this should be solved that way. Yeah. So you should break projects into smaller pieces like anytime somebody wants to sign a contract that's huge, you should at least split it into like three projects. Um, 
and have the deliverables be submitted. And in your deliverables, you should mention what you don't deliver. Like this yeah. is what these are deliverables, and then these are not included in, in order to help clarify it. And don't allow a project to become too big. Um, keep the project smaller so that it can be. You need to finish that project um, before the, the the deadline. And um, if you have things that you need from the customer, you need to be careful because um, if they have not paid any money down and they don't have commitment on that project, they may be slow to give you the things you need to do uh, the project. You also need to know how would we know if we're uh, successful? Um, how, how would we know that? Why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you've seen other people uh, do this? Um, and then in your contract, um, you need to go uh, eventually work with a lawyer um, to have clauses that, but a big thing is getting the person to pay a certain amount down to start work. Um, See, that's interesting. I don't do that. Um, yeah. And I, and you know, maybe it's that I am, you know, so the utility of Upwork is that they put the project in escrow and it takes away kind of that, like you said, you had a client, you, upon completion, you had a client walk away. That sucks. And I, I totally understand why you would want a down payment. I feel like that's going to chase away quite a few clients because then, you know, the exact reciprocal could happen where you could just take their money and walk away. If um, it's not a problem, then don't worry about it. But it's been, it's been a it's been like some of the people that I talk to, other freelancers. It's a it's a problem. Um, it, and see, I, you know what I think. You, what I think the problem is here, and it's funny because we were going to talk about messy data, and now we're going just going into like advanced coding and now consulting work, which is fine. I'm going to have to change the title of the episode. But no, well, um, can we circle back to messy data, and I will quickly uh, we can we'll go through. Uh, yeah, we can. But let me let me finish this one point about. Um, if you are finding remote consulting clients, there is a level of like anonymous. There's they're anonymous. They're, you don't know them to where like I built my consultancy in Greensboro and it's a very small business community. So if someone screws me over, there is social yeah. consequence. They're, they burnt some social capital because I am going to say this person was a nightmare to work with. And as I've kind of become more prominent within this you know small business community, that opinion matters because there will be people will not work with the people that I'm like, well, because I am having people reach out to me like, hey, what's your opinion on this person? What should I or should I not go with them? And I mean, I, if you screwed me over, I'm not going to hesitate to say this. Person's always unethical. be careful about how you say it, to say it in a fair and just way. But I'm sure, John, you're good. I can tell that you're savvy about how to describe what happened in an objective and yeah. fair way. But right. you, you have a good point when you work with local businesses. um, but some people who live in areas where like I, for, for a period of time, I lived in Selma, Alabama and I had relatives mm -hmm. in Cuba, Al Alabama. And those people in order to have success, definitely need to reach out to customers in other geographies. Um, but you have a very good point and you need to establish relationships over time. Um, and, and uh, things may not come to fruition for like six, six months, but online, like, people get to know you they like through this YouTube channel through and, and they become your net promoters. Like the net promoter score is like nine or t 10. You've established authority. You've established a relationship. If you develop some of the content or give some of your best value online, that proves that they're like, I want to support you. 
I think that you are an authority and like, I think that I would benefit from this class. You also find out what people are not interested, which is similar to like doing keyword uh, research on SEMrush or Ubersuggest from uh, Neil Patel. Um, like what are the tell keyword keywords, but also it's more like the small focus group. You're kind of talking to an audience and finding out um, what they need, but yes, local customers, they need to preserve their reputation more so you don't have as much uh, risk. Uh, okay. Yes. All right. So let's, let's close out the episode on um, messy data, which <laughs> I, I guess we started talking about it at the beginning, but then we, we've gone down like a, Okay, so one problem is um, data that's siloed. People won't give you data. Mm -hmm. Data that you want to use to augment because you don't have any data. So an example is I had a customer that was accustomed to making um, like uh, weather data. So they're used to getting like really well-structured data from um, NOAA. And they're trying to do a model as a contractor to Amazon for traffic. And they get they have this naive... Uh, they want to give me this national highway transportation data, but guess what? It's not going to help you. But at that time there was some data starting aggregated data from Mapbox. So Mapbox had like real time data and you can pay for that, but they didn't understand why they need to pay for that. And they also didn't understand that if I deliver a model to Amazon, that's naive. And the, when the person goes to audit it, they're not going to be very happy with me. In fact, you could get sued by somebody by providing a model that's not using best practices. Okay, so is there data? Is the data siloed? Like the Best Buy example, um, they their promotion depends upon the results and they're not really that keen on giving you the data. The CEO has not aligned expectations. Um, the data is upstream from Facebook and they just change it on you. Or Fivetran, the connector is uh, broken. So now everything is broken or I thought that my data was getting updated every week, but when I put some validation in there, I found out that I was getting null uh, data, that <clears throat> the data, the aggregate data that I had from the past year doesn't include the last two weeks. Um, so, <clears throat> so missing data, you need to validate. Um, in Python, they don't currently really, like uh, pandas, they don't have the concept of uh, null value. So null values are kind of problematic in Python. Um, I don't know if you, have you run into that at all, Hunter? Yeah. Okay. Um, another thing is missing data. If you just drop the rows, um, you're going to lose the variance. So initially, kind of like how I told you to take a sample, like a, Bern, uh, a Bernoulli sample using the Postgres or just doing it manually with uh, random because it's just too big to work with and be um, to iterate quickly. Um, uh, eventually go back and um, I have a column and now I'm going to impute a new column where I'm going to use linear regression using the ice or mice method, but I'm going to preserve the raw data. I'm never going to, I'm always going to have that raw data. Another thing is, do you have duplicate values? Like did people do data entry more than one time? Did they, um, did they do a, a cross join and they have uh, duplicates? So, uh, so, so Stony, I, I hate to interrupt you, but I actually have. So, I've been working with this this fire data that, that I started out looking at as oh, it was a cool a cool little side project that I could work on, and it's evolved into this. You know, I really want to create 
a really well fleshed out, clean up, cleaned up piece of data with a, a clear question so that our audience can, you know, get, get some meaningful uh, value out of that. And so some of the problems that you've explained, uh, including the problems with null values uh, and whatnot, have, have shown up multiple times uh, in, in the data set. And it's a data set that has over, over 200,000 data points in it. Is there a recommended size that because you re, you you recommended squeezing down some of the some of the unnecessary? Go go, go look at um. There's a formula for statistical power. So like let's say like often like you might use um, census data sets like you might use the labor data set to look at um, job losses. Um, you may use the population data set to normalize your. You don't want to use uh like raw counts in a chloropleth like you want to normalize it to population or normalize it um you might want to look at housing uh supply um so, so, this, so look this, at- this was specifically fire incident data and so the way that i i sorted it down thus far was by that there's a there's a nature code for for one of the columns and it's the nature of the call into the fire department and so I sorted it down to anything that has a FIRAL, which stands for fire alarm. Um, and it, it sorted it down to somewhere around 40,000. So number one, always know, try to find out why am I doing this? Why am I doing it? Because it's difficult to work with the entire data set with the resources that I have. And I want to iterate and get an idea of what data exists. So that's the why. The, the how is... Um, I'm taking a sample. So if I'm using Postgres, I could use that Bernelli sample. If I'm using Python, I could use um, the random function to pseudo randomly sample the data. But the key word that you need to research is statistical um, power. Now, why would you use statistical power? To make sure that your sample has the possibility of representing uh, the data set. Another thing is, um uh always provide what is the source of my data um the years 2012 through 2015 from census the american community survey um J- john are we doing okay here uh yeah yeah we're good i just got a text from tim he said uh this podcast is fire so okay good <laughs> i'm glad to hear that man. also too i mean we got yeah we're doing great uh, he said thanks for coming stony um today i learned about managing missing data by taking a sample of the data. Yeah, we're good. But don't forget why. Like if you're not having a problem with the size, you have plenty of resources, but the key is to iterate quickly, but take a large enough sample so that the sample represents the population. In your data, um, do people know what a data dictionary is? Um, So you wanna make sure that, what do these fields mean? What are the units? Um, Like if I have an exercise, uh, thing on my wrist, um, uh, is it uh, heartbeats per minute? Um, temperature, is it Celsius, is it Fahrenheit? Um, a lot of times in the column name, I will put in parentheses and I'll put meters or Celsius. Um, uh, do I have a data dictionary? And then uh, like you might have a methodology. This data was acquired by talking to uh, senior managers uh, from LinkedIn uh, who are in the tech space about what they think about diapers. 
does that sample is that sample biased? Does it um, is it probably representative of knowledge of diapers? No. Senior level managers are probably older. Do they work for Johnson and Johnson? Um, so they know a lot about diapers or do they work for Facebook? They don't know anything about diapers except for that they had a kid 10 years ago. Um, are there females, males? Um, so um, include uh, methodology. Um, so you, and, and maybe you're not able to get better data. That, so, but at least be transparent to your audience that's going to make a decision based on this data. So we actually, we actually have been, so I've been working on this with Tim Leisman, as you know, um, and we've been, we plan on reaching out to the fire department to obtain a data dictionary because there's definitely, like you said, there's some unclear uh, data points in there. Like, for example, there's a few under that column that I was telling you about that may or may not be related to fire incidents. And that's what we're really trying to sort out because there's, there's some for like, you know, medical issues or whatnot that are still called into the, the fire department, but they're unrelated to what we're trying to look for. And so, like you said, I think it's important to really specify which, which, uh, yeah, the, the majority of, um, like responses by fire departments are medical. Yeah. Um, fires are less, um, though we know it's really important right now, like California and their severe drought that fire is a huge issue. And I'm sure that these people are, would be love to explain things to you. You'll be able to get time um, from them. Like think about if you live in Carson city or Lake Tahoe right now, like it's really sad to see um, what's happening. And so you want to understand that data better. You want to talk to the people who um, collected that data and you only have so much time to do this. Right. But um, you, you want to know like, what does this data mean? What are the units? Are they meters or Celsius? Um, so like if you have heartbeat and you have the heartbeat is 300 and uh, 220 and you're like, oh, that seems like an outlier. That is outside the norm of the range. And you're like, oh, it's heartbeats for a hummingbird. Oh, it's within the normal range. Um, right, we got to so give some attention to our chat. So we got Tim, Tim chiming in here. So Tim was saying, is this true? So they tried up. So tell us a yeah. little bit about that. What's going on there? So, so the data data triad group is a it's a group here in Greensboro that has it's it's dedicated to open source knowledge of coding, data science, and data analytics as a whole. And so, specifically, we've had help on this project uh, from a person named uh, Bob. Bob, I'm I'm gonna omit his last name because I'm not sure if he wants me to talk about uh too much about that but um he he has been extremely knowledgeable and helpful in in terms of of the the he already he already has done a lot of the nitty-gritty for learning the um for learning python and he he helps me give me a direction uh to i to still go through that that nitty-gritty because i think that's how you learn is by struggling through something um, but he he makes it more guided. It, it it gives a little bit of a sense of direction, and so I I mean it's it's been a great help. Uh, Tim's right in saying that uh, that the data, data triad group has really helped out. I mean, it sounds like you found like an, a mentor in the community, which I think is a phenomenal way of growing your skill set. Yeah. So you have a project, you can bring your mentor in. You guys can collaborate on it, 
And I mean, think about the time you saved and his guidance, just, you know, giving oh. you the straight shot as opposed to like the long windy adventure to enormous. You're, you're in, enormous. In I've, I've seen the books. They're, uh, they're definitely hefty. I'll say that. All right. Speaking of books, we've have two questions. So Inkar and Shahadul are both asking about statistics books. Do you guys have any recommendations on where they can go ahead and get some books on that? There's a book called The Elements of Analytical Style um, uh, that you can get on uh and it's, it's really good. And then some of the R um, books, like from uh, like Hadley Wickham has really good um, freely available books. But there's this one that you can buy. It's like a sliding scale. It's called the um, the uh, I'm going to type it in the chat here. Um, the elements of data analytic style. Uh, and the author is, let's see. Uh, sorry, I don't have the author right now. And then some of the books from uh, Hadley Wickham. I don't know if he's uh, of our studio. He has them available on GitHub. Um, and for Python, there is a stats model is uh, one of the packages that you would use um, for cleaning data. There's a book called Data Wrangling um, that's published by O'Reilly and Associates. It's a little bit older um, now, but um, so uh, that book that I just mentioned is very affordable. There's some more advanced books. I'm hesitant to mention them because people will just um, never make it. Uh, there's some books from Stanford University by there's an easier version and there's a more difficult version and they're kind of like the canonical references, but statistics, you have to learn things multiple times before you, like there's things I didn't understand until like five years later until mm -hmm. I took like three statistics courses. And so um, you need to repeat these. And unfortunately statistics books usually only give you one example per concept. And so when you have a teacher, it's really important that they work out examples and they give you access to those examples so that you can understand the, the concept. Is that yes. helpful? Yeah. So Tim is also asking about, um, Khan Academy YouTube videos. Oh, so uh, I'd like to, I'd like to actually speak to the efficacy of Khan Academy as well as, uh, other there's free YouTube sources like free data camp. I don't know if you've ever heard of free data camp, yep. but they offer full 13 hour lectures on different subjects uh, in, in the field of analytics. Wow. And they are, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know how they can throw stuff like that out there. So, so never always, that's why like when John provides good, uh, like you want to support the people who are producing good content, right? So Khan Academy, they um okay there's a difference between a reference and um a guided uh journey so you need to break up your content into smaller pieces that are consumable so right now unfortunately free data camp is relying on the fact that like uh youtube will save your place where you're at but you can easily lose your place and so it would be really great if they would also break it up into a playlist of 
smaller pieces um, because you should not rely on like cookies that say you're at time three hours and 32 yeah, minutes no. because wow. it's kind of like when you fall asleep listening to an audiobook and you're like, oh man, where right. did I fall asleep at? I don't want to listen to the whole book again. So uh, a pedagogy that's more modern that we had educational consultants at General Assembly who uh, taught us uh, like to um, have a um, topic that is mo uh, that adults are motivated to learn, lecture for a short period of time, followed by hands-on activities. Never lecture in the classic, the uh, antiquated pedagogy from a university where you lecture for an hour and people fall asleep. In a meeting, you can't present more than like 10 or 12 minutes. You need to pull them back out. Like you need to have something that allows them to regain their att attention in, except for a small group of people that are super focused and drink three cups of coffee. Um, I, yeah. I will say, since I am a student, I might be a little bit more accustomed to that lecture, that lecture style. Um, so that that might just work for me as a student, but I will I, I agree with you that a lot of people might lose lose attention after like you know twenty or thirty minutes, and they need to step off and take a break, and then they come back. They want to be at the same place where they left off, so they don't miss anything. Well, that's not how. So when you're studying you last semester, you need to see things four times. Um, so before you go to the class, you should scan your book to know what they're talking about. If you actually read it and do some of the problems, then when you go to class, you're going to understand what the person lecturing is actually explaining. And you're going to be able to actually ask questions that are um, that, that clarify instead of just trying to show off or um, waste other people's time. So you need to see material four times. Remember the Ebbing House uh, forgetting curve? Um, you need to study things a little bit every day in order to remember them. That's the way our brain works. You need to get enough sleep. If you're not getting enough sleep, um, you're, uh, pun you're, you're not going to be as effective. Um, there's a thing called spaced repetition. The space part is not really so important, but the repetition on a frequent basis. If you're in a class where they lecture for a long time, you need to use mechanisms to help you stay engaged. So maybe tapping your foot, taking notes, my problem is that I have a tremor and I, it's easy for you can see that I can get off on a tangent. So like John has to bring me back in. Well, back so in. Hunter, what, what was our approach to teaching it? Cause my class was the first exposure you had to analytics ever, right? Pretty much. And it was, it was much, I, I have an idea where you're going with this, this question and the, this general, the feel of the class. Is am I right in saying that? Well, well, yeah. Well, well answer the question. <laughs> so, so John actually had a, a much different approach that kept that kept me engaged in analytics. And actually, I mean, I would argue that it got me to where I am right now because I uh, it was just so interesting to me all the stuff that he would set up. So, the the, the way that he would guide the classes is that he would provide he'd provide some data or he'd provide a, an activity for the day, like going over. Um, YouTube analytics, for example, and then it was up to us, the students, to he would. He, what would you say? Did you say uh, Tell take me the wheel? Yeah. Oh, take get in the driver's seat. Get in the driver's seat. It's up to us to get in the driver's seat and and metaphorically um, um, teach the class. Not 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 so much teach, but like go through it, really struggle through it in front of everybody, 
and then everybody has an input and and john is there to facilitate that he's he's not necessarily going to tell you exactly what you need to do every step of the way um right i'm realizing it's kind of bumping up against like the socratic method of teaching where i just ask questions and you provide the answers and then if it's the wrong answer i might go a level deeper of like well why do you think that and then make them explain it and realize oh that this is kind of some false they kind of talk they kind of talk themselves out of it it's it's, right right yeah and i think that's uh it's critical thinking which is so hard to teach um because you like especially like going up to the board and saying all right here are the three things we're going to learn today there's zero that that is uh i would say that's obedience they're teaching you to be compliant and to obey and to sit and well this is a loaded topic this is like the (laughs) indoctrination this gets into well, it's it's like, like an education talk, you know. It gets well, more I mean, into like geopolitics. Well, I mean, I, it's just, I think that, yeah, we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but I think that it's my approach is to be more interactive and to to kind of listen as opposed to you know I'm gonna throw a politically charged word out there dictate to the students and just like, but let's let's. Get back to the chat. So we're neglecting them. All right. So Inkar already found the book. Stoney, thanks so much for the recommendation on that. Um, and then also Jonathan had a question about what's the Python statistics book. Did you already answer that in the chat? Um, I'll, I'll try to look up for, for it really quickly. Uh, stats model is the package, one of the packages. Okay. Um, there's also for Bayesian a stats model. Then there's um, MCM's uh, PyStan. So like, like uh, frequentist and Bayesian statistics have advantages and disadvantages. With frequent, frequentist, like when you're looking at small data sets, like the number is of observations is 32, 33. Like should I use the t-test or student uh, t-test in order to test the hypothesis if I have larger amounts of data? So there's... Um, so a lot of times people will do Monte Carlo uh, Markov chain Monte Carlo in order to do a numerical estimation of the uh, posterior. Um, uh, so so there, uh, there's something called Pi Stan uh, in the Stan package. Um, so for books, one I think that O'Reilly has a book on. Um, so always look at that book and see if it makes sense for you. For statistics, it's a journey. And it's like you're going up in a 40-story building. And at first, you need to focus just on getting up the first few flights of stairs. And so the book that's appropriate for you now, may um, you may need a book that addresses a different um, uh, group of people, a different segment of, of people. And so... Um, look at that book and see if it is helping you or not, because maybe that book, maybe they know that subject well, but they're not able to explain it to you, or you're just not ready for that book yet. And you need something to help you get, get started. And so for the, the Python, I know that there's the stats model book. Um, uh, but I will say that a lot of the freely available books for R or books that are not so expensive are really good. It's just that you need to be able to apply that to stats model or pi stand. Um, and don't spread yourself too thin. Choose something 
Um, so, so first let's reverse, like how John talks about reverse engineering things. Like, what are your goals? Like, I want to get a full-time job as a data analyst. I want to become a data analyst freelancer. I want to become a data scientist. I want to become, do machine learning, business intelligence. Um, uh, I want, I'm already a business analyst and I want to, so find out where you want to go. Um, also find people who are a few steps ahead of you. So they have achieved these goals more recently. They didn't achieve them five or 10 years ago. They achieved them in the last year, two years. Um, and often they're willing to help you find out what are the things that you need to learn. So that's part of the reverse engineering. Um, now start learning those, those things and do it a little bit every day. And the content that is, and, uh, I really wish people would stop writing for Medium because Medium is paywalling um, people's content. They're just, it's kind of like uh, if you publish a journal paper in an expensive Elsevier journal and now they want you to peer review it for free. It's like your free labor. It's kind of the uh, captive um, Facebook so sometimes like, oh, you you can't, it's, a, it's paywalled. Um, so, but reverse engineer it. Look where you want to go. Find people or um, that have achieved it recently and try to connect with them. Um, look at uh, books that are appropriate for your stage of learning. Does it make sense to you? Because sometimes books make it more confusing. Like after right. I read about uh, the bonding in chemistry, I, I'm more confused. And I've already studied chemistry for three years. But after I read your material, I'm actually confused. And I already know, have knowledge of the, the, the subject. Does that help? But I need to give you some Python book recommendations. And um, if you can segment yourself into just beginning, um, taking some statistics, maybe John could put a poll out on LinkedIn mm -hmm. um, and ask, hey, the people who are consuming my content, what stage are you at? Please don't uh, misrepresent your, because it doesn't help me serve you. If you give me an honest, sincere answer, I can serve you, not by uh, you trying to tell me that you're more advanced than you are or which subjects you're trying to learn. So maybe a poll, if that sample size is large enough, would help them know what content to produce. Yeah, yeah, we could, we could put to Hunter, maybe that's that's uh, an intern. There you go. An, an, yeah, an, an intern task. I can throw a yeah. poll there later. Also, you could do that in the Discord. By the way, if you guys want to learn Python, I mean, Hunter plug it yeah i uh i uh i i can't say that i'm qualified to teach python right now i, I, I you're I'm, using I python have, on i don't the, have that big of an ego but you're using python within the project right and yeah what's so, the name of your group again Hunter, it's, a, it's, it's a data triad group so they're okay. they're a local they're a localized group here in greensboro that they they focus on open open um open source i was talking about the whatnot. discord server so can people yeah, like yeah. in tech texas or mexico or india can they work with that group are you guys remote now do the they can't work with that group but the discord server for how to get an analytics job okay. is so, worldwide yeah so the, the the discord server that we have um this this project that I've been working on is going to be posted to the Discord server. I I don't have a time frame for it yet, but this it this is going to be a much bigger project 
than I initially had planned. And so when it does come out, it's going to be a big step for the for the server. So, <laughs> so I highly encourage people to work in groups. You can go a lot further in your journey when you work with other people. Right. Like you were talking about Bob, how Bob helped helped you. So on the Discord server, like one way that you will learn more hunters by helping people um, learn Python, you will become better at Python yourself. At university, Absolutely. like I was a tutor in like for like computer programming and statistics, and I learned. I got paid to learn. Like I learned so much from. Well, that. even yeah. even even Bob, when we're having our we have we meet every Thursday, um, even when we're having our sessions. Um, he will, will be going through something and then something won't work the way he thought it would. And so in the, in the session, he's going through research or, or notes or GitHub or whatever he has to reference in order to find out what the, what the issue is. And I think even for, even, even him, who's been in the field for 10, 20 years is still, it's still, you know, sometimes things still don't. John click. needs a coffee break. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you don't drink Red Bull. Hopefully you uh, just stick to the caffeinated be beverages or uh, push-ups. Sometimes I do, I do, I, I do push-ups. Does the Pepsi have fructose in it or sugar in it? It probably has fructose in it. I imagine because I was gonna say Hunter came over the other day with a McDonald's bag. I mean, <laughs> no, I I do. Um, do you know what keto is? And, yeah, uh, yeah. Minimizing carbohydrates. Yeah. And trying to stay away from grains. This would really be beneficial for people not to consume. Hey, John, you guess you gotta stretch out. We gotta stretch out here, man. <laughs> I actually have a personal. So I've been I've been eating FODMAPs for the last three months. But we can we could go down a whole nutrition um, um, rabbit hole. But I mean, we're so we're coming up to an hour and a half. This has been an awesome episode. I mean, we it's gone through. I mean, we were talking about consulting and then marketing and then it's been messy, messy data Teaching, <laughs> not, messy, learning, not very much messy data, data. hey well, I, listen, I really, this episode has a little bit of everything how about that yeah well i, I appreciate um, it because you you're up you're on almost every live stream and you're just dropping wisdom i mean yeah tim well i've been tim trying personally to establish your me. relationship with you guys i've been trying to establish i've been so here's what you need to do everybody on the channel when you go somewhere like twitter you need to try to provide value. Maybe that value is um, summarizing what was in the conversation so that they have timestamps for so people can be selective and use it as a reference. Like, I don't care in hearing about Stony talk about uh, blah, blah, blah. I want to hear about messy data or I want to hear about what John had to say. I'm going to go to timestamp uh, 3652 uh, to, to see the topic that I wanted to. So if you could make notes and then send that to John David or Hunter so that they can awesome. paste those timestamps into the summary, cool. that also allows Google to um, surface uh, better search results, right? Unless their automated voice recognition is, uh, is, is great. So offer value where you go. Um, when you're first starting out, there's different types of value that you can offer. Um, in business, they call this mastermind. So maybe John is a member of a mastermind group where you're able to share information that you can't share publicly. Um, and then people are able to give more. Uh, so these like what Hunter is doing with the triad group, um, you're able to work together and make progress more quickly because you're working in a group. Sometimes groups are not effective. So you got to keep the size right and choose the groups that you, you choose to, to join or try to say, hey, let's try to stay on 
on topic. And then John, David might join a mastermind with people who are selling uh, courses or mm -hmm. instructors in order to share best practices and what's working for them today and information that they can't just share on YouTube. Awesome. Well, Sonny, you've been fantastic. This has been wonderful. Hunter, you've, uh, you've, you've awoken something on Twitch that I don't even, uh... <laughs> I just, for those of you who are watching and you saw me crack up, there was a raunchy Twitch comment that showed up. I didn't pull it in. So if you guys weren't watching on Twitch, you didn't see it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a little nervous when I first heard that you were streaming on Twitch just due to the nature of some of the people on there. And, this does nothing, nothing to ease my suspicions. So I don't. So here's one of the, the problems, John, John David, like when big companies have recommender systems or um, search engines that provide a set of results and then they re-rank those results. And, you know, ideally for the customer, when the incentives are aligned, the results are relevant. Unfortunately, if they're maximizing the KPI is I want to increase the session like how long was this session or how long how much time do people use this per day um a lot of times they want to mix that recommender system up and start introducing things that were not your intent when you searched and mm -hmm. um so like i was searching i told you for data science on twitch and i found this really awesome uh sql stream where this guy is doing a lot of um complex uh sql to ingest um pandemic data and doing data cleaning using SQL Server. And I was like, oh, this is probably really good stuff to look at. But then underneath, there was this um, these search results that were not safe for work. And wow. were um, I don't know if it was so, so like if I search for named entity recognition for um, or NLP, natural language processing. It, so like if we have something that's ambiguous, like a search term, it could be different things, right? Like there could be some software package and it could also mean something else. Like a word has uh, multiple meanings. So it could be a benign, it's just that the search engine or the recommender system was not able to differentiate between these two different meanings of a word like mm -hmm. bank. We ate lunch on the river bank. I went to the bank to deposit money. You can bank on that and idiomatic expression, but sometimes it's a bit, a little bit more uh nefarious in that they're trying to maximize their kpi i want you to use facebook more time per day i want you to use uh stay on twitch and so i got something that was not safe for work so i was laughing because i learned something i was like what yeah you know, i was like <laughs> yeah all right well let's close this bad boy out we've we've been streaming for an hour and a half thank you so much for your time both both John, you can, take a, you can take a bathroom break now, right? <laughs> That's true. And I your go. internet hasn't failed. Your That's internet true. hasn't failed today. Like it's been solid. It has. Solid as I think it's the background. I think it's the new background. That's, That's doing true. That's it. it's set up by short. yours truly. Can I yeah. Just say? Never say All the right. intern didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you guys later. And thanks everybody if you tuned in for the live chat. Hey, thanks. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. 
Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.